The Justice Department on Tuesday sued the retail giant Walmart, accusing it of fueling the country's opioid crisis by inadequately screening thousands of dubious prescriptions and ignoring repeated warnings from its own pharmacists. Walmart knowingly violated well-established rules requiring it to scrutinize controlled substance prescriptions to ensure that they were valid and required pharmacists to process a high volume of prescriptions as fast as possible, the suit alleged. By doing so, Walmart provided or profited by providing its pharmacies with unusually large quantities of controlled substances to sell and from selling other products to customers who came to Walmart stores only because Walmart pharmacies would readily provide these controlled substances, according to the federal complaint. The retailer's own compliance unit collected voluminous information indicating that Walmart was routinely being asked to fill invalid controlled substance prescriptions, but that unit for years withheld that information from pharmacists and allowed them to continue dispensing opioids based on invalid prescriptions, the suit said. Walmart's pharmacies violated the law by filling thousands of prescriptions for controlled substances that Walmart's pharmacists knew were invalid. Jeffrey Bossert Clark, the acting assistant attorney general of the Civil Division of the Department of Justice, said on a call with reporters. Walmart filled invalid controlled substance prescriptions by the thousands even when it knew the prescriptions were invalid. And as a wholesaler, wholesale distributor for his own pharmacies, Walmart systematically violated its legal obligation to detect suspicious orders of controlled substances. And Walmart operates more than 5,000 pharmacies nationwide. U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Florida, Maria Chapa Lopez, what a name, told reporters on the call that pill mill doctors had purportedly told patients to, pill, to fill prescriptions at Walmart that wouldn't be filled elsewhere. Wow, that's actually pretty kind of scary to hear about. Like, where it's almost like a guarantee that they were going to actually get it filled at Walmart. Like, that's, that's scary. Many of these prescription drugs would never have hit the streets if Walmart's pharmacies had complied with their obligations, she said. Walmart said that the company has always empowered our pharmacists to refuse to fill problematic opioids prescriptions, and they have refused to fill hundreds of thousands of suspicious prescriptions. The retailer said in an email that it had sent tens of thousands of investigative leads to the DEA about suspicious doctors and has blocked thousands of questionable doctors from filling their prescriptions through Walmart pharmacies. By demanding pharmacists and pharmacies second-guess doctors, the Justice Department is putting pharmacists and pharmacies between a rock and a hard place with state health regulators who say they are already going too far in refusing to fill opioid prescriptions, the company said. Deaths due to synthetic opioid overdoses totaled more than 81,000 from May 2019 to this May, which is the highest number of drug overdoses in a 12-month period ever recorded, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's National Center for Health Statistics. Over the last several years, Walmart, along with Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid, 
have faced several lawsuits across the country making similar allegations that the chains aggressively sought to bolster their revenue, increase profit, and grow their share of the prescription painkiller market by unlawfully and superstitiously increasing the volume of opioids they sold, according to a complaint filed this year in Ohio federal court. Now, a separate suit filled this year in West Virginia alleges that Walmart knew or should have known that opioids were being oversupplied into the state and should have detected, reported, and rejected suspicious orders, but the complaint adds upon information and believe it did not. By the way, I just wanted to like say like kind of like a side story. So, I started to realize just how big of an issue like drugs were from like pharmacies. Like, that that was, like, a serious issue in the most weird way possible. So I ended up having, like, some sort of form of, like, athlete's foot, right? And it was bad enough to where I needed a prescription medication for to make sure to get rid of it hardcore, right? Because all the topical stuff from Walmart, right, wasn't doing it, like, wasn't doing it. So I needed the heavier grade stuff for the feet, right? So I had this stuff just like inside the cart, right? There was nothing else inside the cart, just that while I was like checking out like protein bars or that kind of stuff, right? And I had this old lady come by me and it's like, hey, be careful with your prescriptions. You don't want to get it stolen, right? And I was like, I highly doubt that they would actually want to steal this athlete foot cream. Right, and she was like, "You never know, you never know with these people." So, like the fact that an old lady out of nowhere came to let me know, was like, "Hey, be careful of your prescriptions," right? And by the way, I was like three feet away from the cart, right? Like I was still there. But it goes to show you that people are willing to do almost anything to get their hands on drugs. And that is a pretty scary thing, right? And I really hope that Walmart hasn't been doing this stuff. But if it if they were, I could see why they're getting sued and why they're taking like such a like strong handed approach to this because that's a lot of pharmacy locations that could be just, you know, pilfering a whole bunch of drugs. Pharmacies are the last line of defense against prescription opioid diversion. Daniel Faith, the Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the DOJ's Consumer Protection Branch, said last week at the Food and Drug Law Institute annuals enforcement conference held online. But too many pharmacies, for too long, abdicated that responsibility. And pharmacies are but one link in the drug distribution chain. The pharmaceutical manufacturing giant Purdue Pharmacy has been accused by the Department of Justice in dozens of state and local governments in separate lawsuits. One by Utah accused Purdue of deceptive and unfair marketing by representing opioids as useful in treating chronic pain long-term and as having low addiction risk, which we all know is not true. Prescription opioids are no less addictive than heroin. 
No other medication routinely used for a non-fatal condition kills patients so frequently, the suit said. The drug maker was forced to declare Chapter 11 bankruptcy to set up the thousands of suits agreeing to plead guilty in federal court in New Jersey to fraud and conspiracy, which included a criminal fine of $3.544 billion, an additional $2 billion fine in criminal forfeiture. It also agreed to pay $2.8 billion in civil fines and the Sackler family, kind of like a ball sack, which owns Purdue Pharma, agreed to $225 million in civil damages, which I believe should have been so much higher. Walmart argued in a lawsuit filed in October against the Department of Justice and Drug Enforcement Administration that the prescriptions were written by doctors that DEA and state regulators enabled to write those prescriptions in the first place. The company is requesting a federal declaration that the suit has no basis to seek civil damages from the company, and the lawsuit is ongoing. The Justice Department is seeking civil penalties that could run into billions of dollars, which is pretty nuts. President-elect Joe Biden will push for a third round of stimulus checks in the next COVID-19 relief bill, he said Tuesday. The former vice president said at an event in Wilmington, Delaware, that his plan will call for direct payments to Americans, but declined to specify how large they would be, calling that a matter for negotiation. I think you're seeing that there is a clear understanding that these issues go beyond any ideology, Biden said. People are desperately hurting, and the Republicans are hurting as badly as Democrats. Biden praised his former rival for the Democratic nomination, Senator Bernie Sanders, as well as Senator Josh Hawley, for pushing for direct payments in the latest COVID-19 relief package, which was passed by Congress on Monday night. Now, the thing with this, right, like this stimulus bill is so massive, it's pretty complicated, a lot of people are not even looking at it. But the way I view all these stimulus checks, and feel free to disagree with me, is that what does it actually help, right? Like, does it really actually help the working person? Because to me, I feel like it doesn't because this doesn't necessarily solve anything. That's the problem. Like, all these different stimulus bills don't really solve anything, right? Because, look. If $600 is going to change your life, you have much more bigger things to worry about, right? Especially in this situation, because if $600 will actually end up changing your life, you could easily just work you know, a side job. Now, obviously, some states are actually forcing you to be locked down. I get that. Actually, quite a few states are being locked down. For example, California, New York, and that is a pretty serious issue. But the thing is, like, a lot of these money problems could be solved by reopening the economy, right? Because that would allow people to work, allow businesses to actually start again, hire more people, start selling products, start putting money into the local economy. Because the thing is, if they keep doing more and more stimulus bills and keep on printing more and more money, the thing is... All this money that they're using is our money, right? Your money, my money, everybody's money, right? It's all based off of our taxes. Like, 
every time you pay taxes, this is what's actually happening. They're not using their own money. They're using your money and your future money, your future kids' money, your future relatives' kids' money, your great-grandkids' money. Like, that's what's happening. So it was like they don't actually have money to spend. That's the problem. So the $900 billion legislation provided for $600 payments to most Americans, which are expected to arrive as soon as next week. That plan was modeled on the CARES Act, which was passed in March and provided for $1,200 checks. Biden's comments about direct payments came in response to a question from a reporter following remarks he delivered ahead of the upcoming holidays that touched on the coronavirus and the recently uncovered massive hack on U.S. businesses and government agencies. In his approximately 10-minute speech, Biden warned about the growing toll inflicted by COVID-19. One thing I promise you about my leadership during this crisis, I'm going to tell it to you straight, Biden said. And here's the simple truth. Our darkest days in this battle against COVID are ahead of us, not behind us. Biden said during his remarks that he would present his plan to lawmakers early next year. He will be inaugurated on January 20th. Congress did its job this week, he said. It can and must do it again next year. Biden has repeatedly called the $900 billion package as a down payment and did so again Tuesday. He said more funding would be needed for vaccine distribution, reopening schools, and to help firefighters, police, and nurses. Antarctica has recorded its first COVID-19 case after 36 people tested positive on a research base, according to a statement released by the Chilean army. So pretty much, COVID-19 is taking over the road. The news marks an unfortunate milestone in the global fight against coronavirus, as until this week, Antarctica was the last continent free from the virus grip. On Sunday, the General Bernardo O'Higgins Requelme Base, a Chilean research base located on Antarctica's northernmost Trinity Peninsula, confirmed that 26 Army personnel and 10 civilians working as contractors on the base tested positive with COVID-19. It's probably all the uh, Antarctica cheek clapping. The outbreak comes after at least three people tested positive for COVID-19 on a military vessel that had been supplying logistical support to the O'Higgins base between November 27th and December 10th. They were tested after two military personnel tested positive for the virus after disembarking at Chile's Punta Arenas port on December 10th, according to a statement from the Chilean Navy. All 208 crew members were given coronavirus tests last Wednesday, with three positive COVID-19 cases identified. The Sargento Audia is now in preventive quarantine, the statement said. Personnel on the O'Higgins base have been isolated and are constantly monitored with the support from the health authority of the Magallanes in the Chilean Antarctic region, achieving so far a favorable diagnosis and without any complications associated with COVID-19 by our staff, according to the Chilean Army statement. The Army added that they have an unconditional commitment to safeguard the health of its members. Honestly, they'll probably be pretty fine, but I hope they are safe because 
That's a pretty horrible situation. I mean, imagine if you're stuck on a boat with COVID around and you're stuck there in quarantine. <laughs> you're quarantined on a vessel or maybe even on, you know, in this inside the base in Antarctica, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's kind of cold and uh, that would kind of suck. President Donald Trump on Tuesday issued pardons to 15 people, including those convicted as part of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation and four former Blackwater USA guards who were convicted of offing unarmed Iraqi civilians in Baghdad in 2007. Those granted pardons include former Congressman Duncan Hunter of California, New York's Chris Collins, and Steve Stockman of Texas. Collins, who pleaded guilty last year to crimes related to tipping off his son about non-public information about a drug company, was the first member of Congress to endorse Trump's campaign as president in 2015. He began serving a prison sentence of 26 months in October. Hunter pleaded guilty in 2019 to misusing campaign funds. He was due to begin serving an 11th month jail sentence next month. Wow, so he didn't even get to the point where he is actually going in. That's crazy. Trump, who has been harshly critical of Mueller's investigation into his 2016 campaign and his contacts with Russians, pardoned his former campaign aide, George Papadopoulos, I think that's how you pronounce it, who had been convicted of making false statements during that probe. Today's pardon helps correct the wrong that Mueller's team inflicted on so many people. Trump's press secretary, Kelly McKinney, said in a statement about Papadopoulos' pardon. What a name, right? Like, who would want to name someone like that, right? I'll just call you George Papa. The president also pardoned Alex van der Zwan, a lawyer and Dutch national who pleaded guilty of lying to the FBI during the Mueller probe. Van der Zwan was the first person convicted in the investigation and was sentenced in 2018 to 30 days in jail, which is like nothing. Trump has been notably stingy with granting executive clemency, which includes pardons and sentence commutations compared with previous presidents. Trump had previously issued just 28 pardons and commuted the criminal sentences of 16 other people. According to the Justice Department, a sharply lower rate than that of even other one-term presidents. Trump's pardons have included ones to financial fraudster Michael Milken, press baron Conrad Black, former Arizona sheriff Joe Arapio, who is convicted of contempt of court, Louis Scooter Libby, the former advisor to ex-Vice President Dick Cheney, Cheney for obstruction of justice, conservative gadfly Dinesh D'Souza for campaign contribution fraud, and ex-New York Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick for tax and other crimes. In November, Trump pardoned his first National Secretary advisor, Michael Flynn, for making false statements to FBI agents. In July, Trump commuted the 40-month prison sentence of Republican consultant Roger Stone, who was convicted of lying to Congress. Beneficiaries of his prison sentence commutations also have included former Illinois Governor Rod 
Blagojevich, who tried to sell an appointment to the Senate seat vacated by Barack Obama when the latter became president. Trump previously issued pardons for several dead people, among them the early 20th century black boxing champion Jack Johnson, for the crime of crossing state lines with his white girlfriend and Susan B. Anthony, the 19th suffragette convicted of illegal voting. Trump also pardoned the late scientist Zay Jeffries, who was convicted of engaging in anti-competitive conduct in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Law in 1948. The year, President Harry Truman awarded him the Presidential Medal of Merit for work during World War II, which included contributions to the Manhattan Project. Trump in August pardoned Alice Marie Johnson, a woman convicted of cocaine distribution conspiracy, and the president two years earlier had commuted Johnson's sentence of life imprisonment after lobbying on her behalf by the reality TV star Kim Kardashian West. Although, that's not really how she became famous. The only other one-term president in the past 30 years, Trump's fellow Republican George H.W. Bush, by comparison, pardoned 74 people and issued commutations for three others. Obama, who served two terms in office before Trump, pardoned 212 people, or more than six times the number pardoned by Trump in half that time. Obama commuted the sentences of more than 1,700 people. The last Republican to serve two terms, George W. Bush, pardoned 189 people and commuted 11 sentences of that time. Check out Fortyinbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, and do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below.